Speaking of Thanksgiving, I have a brief video. We're going to lower the lights up here on the platform and a little Thanksgiving video to just get our hearts uh, moving in that direction before the message this morning. I just wanted to stop everything and take the time today to let you know how very thankful I am that you've been there for me. I want to say thanks for never giving up on me. Thank you for providing meals for us after Blake surgery. Thanks for making sure I always had a ride to chemo. And thank you for helping me through this difficult season in my life, God. Thank you, God, for teaching me to be a strong single dad. Dear God, thank you so much for giving me this new job. I love it. Thanks for sending Jeff to take my shift last week so I could be with my family. For keeping me company on the first day of school. Thank you, God, for helping us get that bill paid. Thank you, God for the clothes on my back. For giving me the courage to speak the truth. Thank you for forgiving me. For making my day better. For giving my life a melody. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for every single day. And one final thing, God. Thank you for always loving me. No matter what. a little reminder of the essence of the essence of thanksgiving what it really means just our hearts inclined toward God in thanksgiving friends I want to uh, share with you uh, all the reasons we have to be thankful for to count our blessings all of the wonderful thanksgiving messages that that uh, we hear at this time of year over the years uh, we celebrate uh, God's goodness uh, in years where there's fewer restrictions, <clears throat> we can bring in the bounty of our gardens and pile them up on the platform and remember some of those wonderful, wonderful uh, displays ladies did in years gone by. We're thankful for those who even today take care of the church and provide seasonal decorations. Uh, but because of the restrictions, there's a lot of things we just still can't do and we understand that. In fact, the picture there, <laughs> it's sort of how we feel in the year 2020. I don't know, in my own lifetime, there's never been a year that has been so hated, despised as the year 2020. I remember when it began, I was very hopeful. I even liked the name of it, 2020, clear vision. You know, pastors always think of corny things like that. You know, we can do a, we can do a, a sermon series, 2020 vision, you know, and cast vision and, well, boy, did God have other things in store for this old world? We saw how quickly our little house of cards could be knocked down. How all of our plans could go by the wayside. Big plans, weddings, graduations, small plans, holiday plans. All of them were changed in a heartbeat. 
So often we think in the ordinariness of life that every day is going to be just the same. You don't really need God that much if you're honest living in Western society. You got pretty much all that you need. Well, reality came in this year and we see that it's hard. A lot of people lost jobs that the uh, leaders making those big decisions became more and more apparent. When you're young, you always think the grown-ups know everything. When you become a young adult, you, you hope that the leaders know something. And as you've lived a few years in this world, you realize that those in charge don't know any more than you do. We're all in the same boat. What they lack in wisdom, they make up with oppression and crushing freedoms. And but the reality is they're just doing the best they can. They're just trying to keep their heads and the heads of their countries above water and get through this in one piece. And, and they need your prayers more than they ever have in our lifetimes. It's a hard time. The pandemic is bad enough. The disease that, that affects mostly people who have uh, uh, pre-existing health conditions. And that saddens us. I talked to a friend from Bible school just recently and, and learned that both of his parents... Uh, contracted COVID-19 and his father died from it and uh, he had pre-existing conditions he had heart condition and dementia and <clears throat> add the COVID-19 on top of that and it took him away but the lockdown the shutdown the destruction to freedoms and your economy and everything else well this rainy day just goes on and on we keep thinking that eventually it's going to finish and and it just doesn't seem to well, they finally get sports of one form or another back in the, those little bubble uh, tournaments and so forth. But you know, st you know the, the ratings show that people aren't even interested in those, those diversions. They don't attract people like they once did because there are more important things that people are trying to deal with, just getting through life day by day. Having said all of that, <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. I remember... There was nobody here but a few people putting the service on, and it was Easter. And that was heartbreaking. The government said faith and God, religious services, those aren't essential. Who needs God in a crisis? And so they shut us right down at Easter time. And that was so sad. And I am so thankful that there are more of us, even with some restrictions and distancing and so forth, able to gather together on this Thanksgiving. But you know, in hard times like this, I think it causes us to assess things and really face what our lives are about. Now, when things are hard, I'm just going to just use the phrase hard times. And that can be personal hard times. You get a, a serious diagnosis, one that you didn't want. You get a call at three in the morning. Like our family, you may receive a, a knock on the door and it's a policeman bringing a mom the worst news she could ever hear hard times big and small we all go through them but i have a question i want to ask and it's not original with me in fact it stopped me in my tracks when i read it the first time and it was from a, a message from four years ago that dr charles stanley had preached and and this was a follow-up question that he would send out to his congregation i have the question here dr stanley said when adversity or suffering comes into your life, do you tend to judge God by the circumstance or judge the situation by what Scripture has said about Him? Now think about that for a minute. 
Because that changes everything. I thought to myself, that's what we so often do. Our view of God changes from day to day, depending on how well I'm doing. If my stomach is full and if my, uh, my car is new or if my bank account is full or God is a good guy. But if there's a death in the family or a diagnosis of cancer or just the weight of the years as I have to give up my driver's license or my freedoms, well, then I get upset. God is uncaring and unkind and not interested in me. Do you see how circumstances will judge God by the circumstances? But Dr. Stanley asks us to look at it a different way. He says, why don't you look at those circumstances based on who you know God is from his word, the Bible? What God's word has revealed to us about him. If you do that, it changes everything. It changes everything. Now this morning, the worship team sang the song, Blessed Be the Name. And if you know your Bible, you know that comes from the words of Job in the book of Job. In Job chapter 1, beginning in verse 20, you know the story of Job. There was a righteous man who, there was no fault in him before God, and Satan didn't like that. The accuser comes before God in heaven and says, and says, uh, this Job, he's only a fan of yours, God, because everything's good. God, he likes you because his circumstances are good. That's what Satan is claiming, that Job is doing what we so often do. Picture a good God because my circumstances are good. So Satan says, God, change it up. Change those circumstances on Job and then see if he still loves you and worships you and thinks you're a good God, even though his circumstances become terrible. And God allows that to happen. And so for the rest of the chapter in Job chapter 1, you see bad news coming like blows raining down on Job as, as one servant after another, a survivor of catastrophe comes and says, all of the herds have been destroyed. The camels have been stolen. The raiders came from the desert. They killed your servants. Fire from heaven like a lightning storm killed all the sheep. I'm the only servant to survive. And Job goes from being immensely wealthy to dirt poor in the matter of minutes. But the hardest blow of all, you know what I'm talking about. The last servant stumbles in and he says, your, your children, Job, sons and daughters, they were at their big brother's house having a feast. And a storm blew in out of the desert. The house collapsed. They're all dead. I'm the only one that survived. I'm here to tell you that. Upon hearing that news, we see what Job did. It says, at this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, naked, I came from my mother's womb and naked, I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Blessed be his name. Hmm. How did he do that? Job obviously did not judge God by his circumstances. Do we? Do we? 
So I've called today's message, Blessed Be the Name. (laughs) Thanksgiving in the time of COVID. Oh, the doctors, they get up on their hind legs and they'll tell you small groups, virtual turkey. (laughs) Give me a break, you know. Our turkey, the the oven popped on at 5 a.m. this morning. And you can't stay in bed past 7. It just smells too good. It just gets you up. It's the world's best alarm clock. Oh, but as wonderful as that is, what's best is having family. And I see a lot of you, even in this restricted group, we have friends and family visiting. And that's a wonderful thing to give thanks to God forever for, or together for His goodness. So we want to go quickly through just a number of reasons in the remainder of our time together. How we can bless the name of God and be thankful during hard times. The first thing we want to look at is, is just that, thankfulness. Thankfulness in hard times. Boy, what would we do without Pinterest and all the cool crafts we find there? I find so much wisdom there. (laughs) Not always, no. That Pinterest craft says, it is not happy people who are thankful. It is thankful people who are happy. Oh, that is so true. People who model an attitude of gratitude, they see their circumstances and they know they're in the hands of a loving God and so they remain thankful through the storms of life, through the trials and testings we even talked about last week. They are able to be thankful. And that leads to a life of joy and happiness no matter what circumstances come our way. There's a couple primary passages that speak of that very thing. One of them, the Apostle Paul writes, both are from the, from the pen of the Apostle Paul. The first is the familiar passage, Ephesians 5.20. Paul says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you notice in these passages, the Apostle Paul says what allows us to be thankful for everything and in everything is Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ. You have a relationship with him in the name of Jesus. That's the nature of Jesus. Now when it says in everything give thanks, that doesn't mean everything is something you should be thankful for. There are many wicked, horrible, evil things in this broken world that breaks the heart of God as well. We don't give thanks for that wickedness, but every circumstance in your life is overseen by a Heavenly Father who knows you and loves you and cares for you. In all of those, in Christ, in a relationship with Him, we can be thankful. That's made clear as well in 1 Thessalonians Very similar passage. If you ever want to memorize short Bible verses, there's three real fast ones. I like verse 16. Be joyful always. That's the verse. Verse 17. Pray continually. Verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Be joyful always. Pray continually and give thanks In all circumstances, just as Job in the midst of the worst day of anyone's life, though he was mourning, torn clothes, sackcloth and ashes, shaved head, all of the signs of mourning were there because he was broken hearted. And yet in his heartbreak, he still worshiped God and said, praise be the name of the Lord. Blessed be his name. Well, here as well, it says 
in Christ Jesus. Not only do you know who Jesus is, but you are in him. You have salvation. When God looks at you, he sees you in his son, Jesus. Despite the circumstances, you can be thankful. When it seems there's nothing else to be thankful for, set your eyes on Jesus. See what he did for you, his great love shown for you, the salvation that he gave you, the place in God's family that is yours through Jesus' love for you. The person of Christ makes it possible to be thankful in all circumstances. So we have thankfulness in hard times, but you know what hard times calls for? It calls for courage as well. When times get hard, so often we are fearful. I think back to that story of Jesus on the lake in Galilee. Oh, there was a terrible storm. And the disciples were fighting at the oars trying to get across the lake. These were fishermen who knew how vicious those storms could be on that lake. It's not an ordinary lake. It's a volcanic crater so deep out in the middle. It's just a terrifying thing when the wind comes up. And in the midst of that storm, they look and they see Jesus walking across the lake, passing them by. At first, they think he's a ghost and they call out. And then Jesus allays their fears. And one of them, in the midst of this storm, has this crazy idea that if Jesus is here... He doesn't have any reason to fear. So Peter says, Lord, if it's you, call me and I'll get out of this boat and walk to you. And he did for a little while. I don't know how many steps he made, but then he took his eyes off Jesus and put him back on the circumstances. You were walking on this deep lake in a storm. The wind and waves drew his attention away and he sank. But then as the old hymn said, love, love lifted him. Courage in hard times. In the book of Deuteronomy, the familiar passage given to, given to God's people as Moses did his farewell address, he tells them to be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Not only can you be thankful during hard times, but... You can have courage because God is with you. If you thought the person of Christ made a difference, the presence of Jesus is so important as well. He will never leave you or forsake you. He's not just someone you read about in a book or think about and, and wish you could be with him. He is with you. His Holy Spirit indwells you. He will never leave you. You can have courage. I like that picture as well. What's that weird picture? Well, that's Peter's view of Jesus when he sank. <laughs> I don't know what gave the artist that idea, but I think that's a wonderful view. Jesus reaching down to Peter when Peter turns his eyes off of the weather and back onto Jesus. You know what would have happened if Peter had kept looking at the circumstances? He would have been looking down into those black depths of that deep, deep volcanic lake and he would have been gone. But he turned his eyes up to Jesus and reached out and was saved. Psalm 46 gives us the reason for courage. Verses 1 to 3, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and mountains quake 
in their surging. An ever-present help when you need it. You're never alone. When you're in the waiting room by yourself because of COVID, you're in the hospital and can't have visitors, He's your ever-present help. The presence of God makes such a difference. We can have thankfulness and courage, friends. You can also set your heart at ease. You can have peace of mind in hard times. Peace of mind. You know, people usually tell you that you need to have RSPs, a full bank account, a retirement plan, good health insurance. All of these things give you peace of mind. You won't worry. But you find that's not true. Oftentimes, the more people have, the less peace they have. The more worries they have. The more anxieties they have. Studies show that the happiest people in the world tend to come from cultures and countries that have a very low standard of living. They live from day to day. But they enjoy life. They don't worry about it like some of the more developed countries. One of the most developed countries in the world is Japan. And they have the lowest peace of mind of anyone. It's a terrible situation. How can we have peace of mind in hard times? In Isaiah chapter 26, there's an amazing picture of God. It says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast. Or if you know the King James, whose mind is stayed on you, on thee. Because he trusts you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. I love that. One of the names of God in scripture is the eternal rock. The rock eternal. Some of you may have been to that big rock in that picture there. There's something about an enormous stone thrusting up from the prairies that takes your breath away. I remember years ago, our family was traveling back from a holiday, probably visiting family down in Texas. And we cut through the northeast corner of Wyoming. If you go through the northwest corner, that's all Yellowstone. The northeast corner, you cut up from the Dakotas, the, ba- the, the Black Hills, and there in the distance is that famous rock. It's called the Devil's Tower. What an unfortunate name for an enormous, beautiful rock. That rock was never called Devil's Tower. In fact, uh, an early uh, surveyor for the U.S. government back in the 1800s, his name was Dodge, he had an interpreter that could communicate with the indigenous people. He wasn't a very good interpreter. They asked the people, as they looked at this enormous, enormous 1,267-foot-tall stone sticking up, sticking up out of the ground, they said, what is that called? And the native people told them, And he understood it and told Colonel Dodge, he says, I think they said it's the bad God's tower. Well, no, he couldn't speak their language very well. They said it's the bear's lodge. Because to the native people, it looks for all the world like a tree stump that a big old grizzly bear has been scratching into. We know now as we look at it that that at one time was lava, a magma plug in a volcano. 
the cinder and the, 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 the pumice, the part of the, the cone has eroded away and the cooled lava still is there. It's incredible. It's about a two kilometer path to walk around it. It's an amazing thing. And as you walk, you'll see rock climbers climbing it because something about a giant stone, whether it was the famous Ayers Rock in Australia or Devil's Tower, the Bear's Lodge, they call it in Wyoming. It just has a power to it, like the grandeur of the mountains. And when we look at it, the storms have no effect on it. It stands steadfast. That's how God is. That's the picture of God, the everlasting rock. Everything else will change in your circumstances. There'll be good days. There'll be bad days. There will be terrible days. But God stands firm. And he's on your side. And you're precious to him. And he loves you. Philippians chapter 4. Familiar passage. The Apostle Paul, as I mentioned earlier, talks about shifting that load off of our shoulders to God. Beginning in verse 6, the Apostle Paul writes, Don't be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful picture. A mind stayed on God, the eternal rock, finds peace. A person who shifts the load and gives it to God in prayer, trusting that He can bear that load and He will take care of whatever we give to Him. His peace guards us. And this is a Greek passage. The other was Hebrew. And in Greek, the word peace is where we get the name, a lady's name, Irene. It's Irene. That's the word peace. But you know, one of the meanings of the word peace is to bind, to bind up, to take something broken and make it whole. And when you pray, God binds you to himself. <laughs> You're like those little babies that are so safe and secure because they're wrapped close to their mother. Through prayer, we are bound to him and we have his peace. Finally, even in hard times, God can use them to grow you for your own good, personal growth. And I know what you're thinking. No, this wasn't me. I didn't take a selfie. <laughs> I know you're not thinking that. But <laughs> personal growth. I didn't know how else to put it. It sounds like, sounds like a Tony Robbins commercial. Personal growth in hard times. This is spiritual growth. This is maturity. This is growing up. You know, there's people that can get very old and still be immature. You know, we want to grow up in Jesus. We want to become more like him every day. More caring, loving, accepting, standing up for truth in a world of lies. It's not easy. But in the storms of life, in the hard times, God can grow you and strengthen you. You see a person curling, building their biceps. That's a terrible thing to do to your muscle. When you lift weights, real heavy weights like that, you tear your muscles to shreds. All these little micro tears in the muscle fibers, they're just torn apart. The muscles are like cheese strings and it just pulls them apart. And to heal, new muscle cells grow in between those tears and the muscle grows larger and stronger. Boy, if you're having an easy life, 
everything goes your way, it's going to be hard to mature. God's children don't truly grow up without adversity. Jesus says, don't worry about it though. In this world, you will have trouble. It'll find you. And you can even grow through that. The familiar verse for that, one of the classic verses that speaks of that is Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, And we know that in all things, circumstances, we know in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. In all things. And friends, this verse, we can misunderstand it and think that everything hard that happens to us will turn out to be good. Well, God is using it. One of the good things is it will grow you. There's one of these old sayings, it's, a, it's more like more Pinterest wisdom, that today's pain is tomorrow's strength. But there's some truth to that old saying. There's good that way, but you know, some of the things that happen to you and I think of Christians over the years who were, who were persecuted, even killed for their faith. The good came for other believers and their witness. We may not be able to see this side of heaven, what God is at work in our lives and the good that he brings out of it. Sometimes, though, it's very clear. As the book of James says, we can rejoice even through the struggles of life. He says in verse 2 of James 1, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's what I want. But how do we get it? Trials, tests of many kinds that will grow your faith, will exercise you and build you up to be more like Jesus. If we were in Job's sandals and we got one awful bit of bad news after another, what would we do? Would we turn our back on God who obviously doesn't love us because the circumstances are bad? Or would we judge our circumstances in light of what we know about the faithful God who loves you and cares for you, revealed to us through Scripture. I finish with that same question that I asked earlier. When adversity or suffering comes into your life, do you tend to judge God by the circumstance or judge the situation by what Scripture has said about Him? Think about that. And this week, as you hear and experience hard things and bad news, think about that. How am I judging? Am I judging God by circumstances? Or am I seeing my circumstances through the light of the God who loves me? In just a moment, we'll close with the worship team leading us in a, in a song. But before that, I want to remind us once again of that message, Blessed Be the Name. We have a video of that. We'll turn the lights down and put that on now. Blessed 
Blessed be your name. 